Well, when I was worshiping the Lord today, I got a picture of a huge table from that end of the room to this end of the room with people. Um, and I just really believe God is building relationship and community and birthing a new season of knowing one another deeper. deeper. Um, I, I want you to just hear what I have to say about your leaders. <laughs> they are genuinely, authentically lovers of Jesus and lovers of people. And when I'm in their presence, whenever I leave, I'm filled up. I leave their home filled. I leave this place filled. And I know being under um, the eldership or under, not under, I don't want to say like you're less than, but this thing of being covered by leaders who God set in place, it's an honorable place to be. But my question to you is, do you know Kara and Mark? And anyone else in leadership, do you know them? In this next season, I want you to make room for them. I want you to invite them into your heart and to your minds because their way of life transforms hearts and minds. The way they live transforms hearts and minds. Why? Because they're ruled and they're reigned by Jesus Christ. Christ rules and reigns in their life, and they're submitted at all time to Jesus Christ. And so I just saw this huge table of women and men and children sitting down and engaging in conversation and eating, eating of the word and being filled with the spirit. I also saw mothers and fathers, just because you, your kids are no longer living with you or you're, you're older in age does not mean that you stop being a mother or a father. We need mothers and fathers in the church. Why? Because they raise up strong leaders. You've gone before us and I can sit at your table and eat of your food and eat of your life and get some knowledge and some understanding and some wisdom. Why? Because the world isn't getting any better. But you carry the tools to help raise up and build up others so they can go into the world and preach the gospel, go into the world and encourage people, go into the world and make a difference and establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So I want to just encourage the mothers and the fathers those who are retired, those who, who don't have children in the house, you're still a mother and a father, and the church needs you. <laughs> this isn't a, a retirement community. This isn't a retirement church where you're not putting your hands to the plow. You're still working. Why? Because God still calls you val valuable. He'll see, he'll still, he still uses your gifts. He still uses your mind and what you know about him and what you've done. And Jody and I have been recipients of that. We have mothers and fathers in the church until this day, they'll talk about our finances, they'll sit down with us and discuss our finances. They'll discuss with us our parenting. They'll discuss with us our leadership. And so I just want to encourage those who are older. You are valuable and you're much needed in this place. Also, spend time with Mark. Come, in, come and paint the building. Get to know Mark a little, bit, a little bit more. I'm sure he'll be like, stop talking, paint. But I'm going to encourage you, keep talking and listen to Mark because he has some wisdom as well. Thanks, babe. Sweet. It is good to be with Impact Rock. We love this church. Um, we pray for you as a church. We've also been extremely blessed by you as a church. Mark and Kara were with us uh, last year, and we're uh, uh, made a, a, a tremendous impartation into the life of our church. And so, what um, we bring. Um, and what has been sent from Restoration LA has been reciprocated from you back to us. 
as uh, as a church through your leadership and um, through the gift that is Mark and Kara. So we are so thankful for this partnership. And we're so glad that we don't have to do this alone. We don't have to do kingdom alone. Uh, I, I grew up in a pastoral household. Um, and um, I, I saw what what that does to family. And it's not always easy. Um, especially when you don't know what true partnership is or have never experienced true partnership. And so us being able to do that not only for our family, but also for our church, it, it is uh, a huge difference in how we approach ministry. And so we are thankful for our partnership. And I'm thankful for the privilege to be here. Um, yeah, I told Mark, I said, no, we, we'll come and worship and just chill. Like We just want to you know, kind of sit at your guys' table and come and hang and uh, be cool to just hang with you guys. And But he thought it would be a good idea to have me talk again. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, I've, I've been praying. I've been praying about Impact Rock as soon as Mark said, hey, let's, uh, uh, I would love for you to, to, to minister that morning. And me knowing it would be Father's Day. I, I, I am not the type of person who likes to stick to, like, um, holidays. So, like, if it's Mother's Day, I'm not preaching on mothers, you know, stuff like that. If it's Groundhog Day, we're not preaching on little rodents running around. We're not doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I, I just, we, we are very led by the Spirit. Um, but the Holy Spirit had something to say about fathering and fathers. And so I will um, speak on this this morning, if that's okay with you guys. Is that all right with you guys? All right. If it wasn't all right with you guys, you got to talk to God about that, because this is what I got. Um, this is, so... Um, Fatherlessness is an epidemic uh, in our nation. How many of you know that? It's an epidemic. According to NPR, uh, a U.S. Department of Education study found that 39% of of kids in grades um, 1 through 12 don't have fathers in the home. 39%. That's 20% of all white kids. That's one out of five. That's 31% of Hispanic kids. That's nearly one in three. And it's 57% of black kids. That's more than half of these children that don't have fathers at home. Um, The National uh, Fatherhood Initiative, which I think is a pretty cool um, organization, they've done some research on on what it looks like when fathers um, are absent from the home. And and it says this about those kids. They're four times at greater risk of, of of being in poverty. They're more likely to have behavioral problems two times greater um, a risk of infant mortality. They're more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, and two times more likely to drop out of school. Me giving you these statistics, I'm sure you guys are like, yes, of course. <laughs> it makes absolute sense. And I think as a church, I think we understand the importance of fathers being in the home. But here's some, some good things about the strengths of a father's presence. Uh, children with involved fathers have a stronger foundation for uh, a, a well-being. They are lower risk uh, uh, for, for a host of poor childhood outcomes, and lower risk for infant mortality, lower risk for a uh, lower birth rate, lower risk for emotional and behavioral problems, lower risk for neglect and abuse. Lower risk for injury, lower risk for obesity, lower risk for poor school performance, lower risk for teen pregnancy, lower risk for incarceration, lower risk for alcohol and substance abuse, lower risk of criminal activity, and lower risk for suicide. Just a father being present. 
This is even good for, for moms, for moms who, who uh, I, I was brought up early by a single mom, and I know how amazing single moms can be when they have to play both roles. Um, but it's still good for moms to have a father around. Um, moms who have fathers, a, a father around for their children are more likely to receive a prenatal care, less likely to smoke during pregnancy, healthier births, lower risk of postpartum stress, lower risk of postpartum depression, lower parenting stress, more leisure time, more leisure time moms, and higher marital satisfaction when there's a father present. I think uh, we all can agree that the father's presence matters. Um, Today in the church, I believe that we have a similar epidemic in the church. And this is not about an absentee father, because how many of you believe that our father is always present? How many of you know that our Father is always present? And it's this knowing. It's this, that, that knowing is from this world, the word revealed. When it's been shown, right? It's, 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 a, it's a glorious revelation where it's shown from heaven. You see it. It's been revealed. But then it's not just I've seen it, I understand it. It's I know it. It's a revelation that brings this deep knowledge that no one can shake from you. No one can strip you from me. I, I know that my father is with me. And so when we have a revelation that our father is with us, how many of you know that it shapes everything about who we are? But I think the epidemic that we're experiencing in the church today is I don't believe many Christians carry this revelation about who and where and what their father is, can be, um, all that encompasses who our good father is. And I believe this is due to something I call an orphan spirit. It's this orphan spirit. It's this, it's a spirit that we can carry that, that our father somehow is absent, that our, our father is somehow in this great distance. from. from he, we're not in close proximity to him, and that creates this, this spirit that we carry that I believe is alive from the pit of hell. It's Christians who carry around the pain of fatherlessness because they can't come to grips with their new spiritual identity and knowing who their Abba truly is. And that word Abba is a Hebrew word. It's, 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 it's an intimate word. I mean, in Spanish, it would be more like Papi. In, 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 in you know, plain English, it would be Daddy. It's that intimate. This is how intimate our Father wants to be with us. Um, my, my son Ezekiel, he's not with us. He's actually in Chicago now. Um, he once had a, a, a friend in middle school. And, and like Zeke, uh, the Harpers know Zeke pretty well. Um, this kid, this, Zeke's friend was a good-hearted kid, like Ezekiel was, but uh, they both would get into a lot of trouble. Um, sadly, this, this young man who was Ezekiel's friend eventually was murdered while in middle school. And... My son, who's now 20, has shared this, this testimony publicly, and that's why I can share it. But this friend of his would watch Zeke and watch his, how he got in trouble just alongside of him. And he would look at Zeke's life and, and, and look at, at, at his family, and he would be bewildered. And he asked Zeke this question. He's like, you know, you have a mom and a dad, and you come from a good home. Why do you act the way you act? He couldn't, he couldn't understand it. He, he could understand it for himself. 
because he looked at his home and he looked at what he came from. He understood the, the absentee of parents and all of these kind of things. And he would look at my son and look at his family and be like, I don't under, it, doesn't, it doesn't connect for him. Somehow this kid knew that he was conditioned by the home that he came out of. I can imagine him looking at other families, wishing that that was him. I remember watching Silver Spoons when I was a kid. Ricky Schroeder, I don't know if any of you remember that show. And he was, he was this, like, you know, adopted kid. He was adopted into a rich family. And you're just like, man, if just a rich family would adopt me, I'd be in good shape. Um, I can imagine this, this young man thinking that if he had a better family, that things could be different, that things would be different. Unfortunately, this kid never got the chance to see that what different could really be. And to this day, my son Ezekiel carries a huge burden for this young man who passed. I encounter this, this orphan spirit often, and maybe it's because of the ministry that we really believe in. Maybe it's because we are East L.A. And, and the demographic of people that we minister to are you know, more probable to, to, to carry these, these types of family dynamics. But this, this problem, friends... It's not just a demographic problem. It's not, just, it's not just a human problem. This is a spiritual problem. And I believe that every spiritual condition of mankind has a spiritual answer. And I think I recognize this very often because I too once carried this orphan spirit for far too long. This spirit that causes Christians to remain broken, broken and, and highly insecure. Or, an orphan spirit, you'll, you'll walk around feeling unloved, feeling unredeemed, feeling unclaimed, feeling unrecognized, feeling unknown, feeling unwanted, feeling unvalued. This is what an orphan spirit looks like. And I carried it for a long time. But these are the lies that the devil loves to speak over God's kids. These are the lies that demons love to whisper in the ears of God's children when they're sleeping and the dreams that, that attack them at night. These are, 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 are the spiritual, uh, um, demonic, oppressive forces that are coming against God's children today. We see it. All the identity politics, all of the other things that are coming against who God says his kids are. These are lies the devil has planted, cultivated, and nurtured, hoping to breed orphan spirits in the hearts of God's kids. And I'm telling you, this shouldn't just frustrate us. This shouldn't just offend us. This should enrage us as a church. To think when, when we're raising our children and, and, and they don't know who they are. And they, I mean, I, I, I mean there, there's a, it's more, of, I don't know if it's more of a slang term, but I, I, I would hear kids parents in the neighborhood and you be in the stores at Walmart. Walmart, you're always hearing crazy stuff at Walmart. And you just hear parents, you know, I heard this mom one time like, act like you belong to somebody. (laughs) Kids who don't belong to somebody act a certain way, but kids who do belong to somebody act a different way. And I think sometimes it's we as God's kids are acting like we don't belong to somebody. We're acting like we don't know who we are. We're acting like, like we've started to believe the lies that this enemy has begun to whisper in our hearts and in our minds and over our person, and, and, and we forget what God has actually done. God's kids walking around acting like other kids who don't have a daddy. Sorry, my iPad just 
keeps going into sleep mode. I don't know how to change that thing. Hold on, sorry. God's kids walking around like they weren't handpicked by the Almighty God who created the universe. God's kid walking around unloved, unknown, unvalued, unclaimed. God's kids walking around like their father didn't sacrifice his only son for their behalf so that they could have right relationship with him. It's a lie. And maybe like me, you have believed that lie at some point in your life. Maybe like me, you've carried you know, some of these lies with you. And I really believe that today for some of you, Jesus is going to break it. Jesus is going to break it. If you guys have your Bibles with you, if you can turn to Matthew chapter 13, you'll know this portion of Scripture. This is an amazing portion of Scripture because I believe it speaks so much into the identity of God speaking over his children. If you are taking notes, I have named this sermon, I am my father's son. Verse 13 reads like this. Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened. Can you say heaven opened? Heaven opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said this, This is my Son. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased with him. I am, I'm sorry, I repeated another verse that I memorized as a kid. This is my Son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. I am well pleased. Can you imagine this moment? Can you imagine? Just think about this. Heaven was open, and, and, and this is what God has done for his kids. He has opened up and given us complete access to his atmosphere, to his realm. Right? I mean, how many of you like, have had growing up, or maybe some of you kids now, just, there's just places you can't go in the house. You can't go and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's dad's den or dad's den. They have overran my den, just so you guys know. Uh, it may, maybe, it, maybe it's dad's, you know, you know, special closet. Maybe he has a gun locker. I don't know. There are just certain things you have no access to. God has opened up heaven. He has opened up heaven. And this is a bit of what Carol was um, encouraging us with during worship today. Right? Heaven was opened. The Spirit of God. God's Spirit comes down and rests on His Son. Heaven is open. Jesus has full access to the Father. God's Spirit comes. Jesus has full access to His Father's Spirit. It's, it's, it's a light on Him. Listen, this is the Father highlighting His Son. And I don't know what son on the planet that doesn't want to be highlighted by, by His Father. I mean, I, my, my father was an extremely encouraging man. But I can remember the, the couple of times that I can remember my father saying something good. They were branded on me because it was the times I could remember him highlighting me or him saying, saying something good. This is what God does for us always. He is highlighting his kids. I mean, just think, when you think of the story of Job and, 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 and God is with, with all of, of the angelic host and, and Satan being amongst them. And he says, have you noticed my servant Job? There's no one like him. This is what God does for his kids. Have you, have you noticed 
Have you noticed my kids? Have you seen them? This is what he is saying about Jesus. And a voice from heaven comes, this is my son. My son. I often do this with my kids when they fight or when they hurt each other. Because kids do that. And I remind the guilty party that they are abusing my child. My child. And I won't let you do that. Because this is my son, or this is my daughter, and you don't get to do that. You don't have my permission to do that. And, and for me, it's for them to understand, hey, there's not just a responsibility to your brother and sister. There's a responsibility now to your father. God is saying this of Jesus. This is my son. This is personal. This, 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 there's so, and we're going to unpack this in a second. This brings identity. Jesus was the son of God. What other identity would we want to carry? Next we see whom I love. And this is God showing his affection towards his son. This is first identity, then it's affection, whom I love my son. What kid doesn't need to know that they're loved? What child doesn't need to know that they're loved? And not just, I mean, I believe we try to show our kids in many ways. But our kids still need to hear it, that they're loved. I love you. It needs to be spoken often. And God is speaking from heaven. This is my son whom I love. And then he says this, whom I am pleased with. God's approval. God's approval. His, he, he breathes identity over Jesus. He shows his affection. And then he's showing his approval. And here's the thing, guys. Jesus had done nothing yet. He hadn't done a thing. He hadn't even started his ministry. He was there to be baptized by his cousin John. He's been baptized. He comes out of the water. God speaks, speaks identity, speaks affection, speaks approval. Jesus hadn't healed anyone, hadn't walked on water, cast any demons out, raised the dead, had done nothing yet. And God is saying, you have my identity. You carry my spiritual DNA. You have my love. I love you. There's nothing you need to gain this love. And you have my approval. I am pleased with you. And he had done nothing. And friends, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus was the prototype for all of God's kids. And God sees his kids, every child, the same way. And I know we don't believe it, because I have six kids, and they don't, they don't believe it. I love you all the same. But you treat us all different. I love you all the same. You're all built different. <laughs> Some of you do crazy stuff in different ways. And so it looks different and it feels different. God breathes these things over each of his kids. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we have access to a heavenly father who feels the same about us. He feels the same about you. So let's unpack this a little bit. You have identity. You have identity. This is my child. This is what God speaks over you. That you are my son. You are my daughter. There should be no question in your heart about who you belong to. None. No question. I mean, this is a hard thing when you don't know who you belong to. 
When, when, I, when I was born, my, my, I was a love child. My parents, I was born in the 70s. My dad was a nightclub singer, if you can just picture that. And, and, and my mom was like this little groupie nightclub chick. And I was born, so, so they didn't have a relationship. My father wasn't in the picture. I accidentally meet my father on the boulevard when I was five years old, walking down the street with my mom. My dad whistles. We stop. He rushes out to us. He says, he called my mom Joe. Her name's Joanne. Hey, Joe. And he asked this question, this question that marked me for years. He didn't say, this is my son. He said, is this my son? And it caused this question in my heart for years. I mean, I, my wife gave me a, um, one of those 23 and Me things for, I think it was my birthday or something. Still, I mean, I'm, I was, I'm in my 40s, and I took that thing, and I'm still like, there's a chance. I might have another, I mean, I might have another dad. I mean, I, it was just, I mean, it's just insecurities, just the stuff that marked me. And, all, and I'm in, honestly, my dad's a, a small little Mexican man, so I was thinking, my dad has to be Samoan. I mean, at least, maybe. <laughs> Just just because of the way I'm built, you know, just it'll justify my size at least. I don't know. Um, my dad's my dad. But those questions I had was sparked by a question, is this my son? God hasn't spoken that over you. Even in your worst state, God hasn't spoken that over you. You carry your father's spiritual DNA. You've been created in your father's image. I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, you look like your daddy. (laughs) You look like your father. You look like your heavenly father. And yes, we all have different features, but we carry our father's DNA in us, our spiritual father's DNA. We have been branded. We carry everything about him. All of our chromosomes line up to who he is. 1 John 3, 1 says, see how much our Father loves us. For He calls us His children, and that is what we are. We're His children, and no one can say otherwise. John, uh, 1 John, I'm sorry, I already read that. 2 John, uh, excuse me, John 10, 28. I give them eternal, I'm, I'm excited. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else, and no one else can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. No one can snatch your identity away from the Father. You are his. You are in his grasp. I mean, not even you. Not even you. As much as you would like to think, oh, I'm I'm not his child, and oh, the shame, and oh, the guilt. Not even you. And next we have affection. Your father loves you. Your father loves you, and he's proven it to you. He's not one of these fathers who says, oh, I love you, and never shows up. He's not one of those fathers who had made you a promise and then didn't, didn't follow through. I mean, we, how many of you have kids and promise your kids something really small, and they just never forget? Like, if you tell a kid, after church, if you're good, I'm going to give you a Slurpee. They'll act good and be right in front of you, right at the end of service, and says, I was good, where's my Slurpee? And sometimes us natural fathers will be like, oh, I forgot, we got something after church, I can't take you, got to do something. I mean, just we just inadvertently, you know, mess up by making these promises we can't kiss you. God has never done it. He's never done it. He has never let you down. He has never lied to you. He's never told you a white lie. He's never told you he would be there and not show up. He has loved you 
with an everlasting love. This is what Jeremiah 31, 3 says. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, Sorry, I'm struggling with this thing. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. God has drawn you to himself. This is how much he's loved you. He's loved you everlasting. Which means it'll never end. Never. Nothing can separate you from the love of your father. Nothing. And third, we see approval. Approval is an amazing thing. When you're told good job, when you're told that someone's proud of you, I mean, just that affirmation, I mean, this is why we love the prophetic, right? Because the prophetic is really bringing words of encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. I mean, we love the prophetic because we love to be approved by God. We love to hear the Father's words over us. I mean, I mean, whenever you see... Um, and we, we've, we've had an amazing friend, Mike Hanchett, who's functioned, I mean, in the prophetic at a high level, who has just passed. And that man would minister, and you, you would just be hoping, when you're, if you're sitting in the room, that the Lord would highlight you, and God would say something over you. I mean, you're just hoping, I just, man, man, like one of my friends say, man, those kind of people normally wear neon shirts just to get noticed, Right? I just want to, I want to be approved by God. I want to hear a good word. I want to hear a kind word. I want to hear that God's proud of me. I want to hear what God is saying over me. This kind of approval shapes destinies. This kind of approval, man, it, it, it transforms circumstances. Isaiah 54, verse 8 through 10 says this, In a burst of anger, I turn my face away from you for a little while. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so I now swear that I will never again be angry with you and punish you. And I'm telling you, there's far too many Christians who believe that God is sitting up in heaven with a lightning rod just waiting to zap you. Just waiting to zap you. I mean, have you ever seen an abused child? An abused child, I mean, if, if you walk by an abused child, I, I mean, normally they'll like quiver because, I mean, they're, 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 they're used to getting hit, used to getting slapped, right? And so it's, it's the saddest thing. That's, but Christians walk around like that. We're walking around thinking God's going to slap us around because he's angry with us. That's not your father. That's not who your father is. He's not sitting up in heaven like, oh, he's going to do it. Watch, he's going to do it. Watch, watch this. He's not doing that. He loves you with an everlasting love. I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. You have God's approval. And you, have to, and you do nothing to gain it. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. Listen to this. Yes, this was written, Old Testament. Isaiah prophesying over, not just Israel, over the church. Over the church. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. Isn't that amazing? No, God doesn't break his promises. Says the Lord who has mercy on you. This is how we begin to contend against this orphan spirit. 
We need to understand these three, the three things that God is breathing over us as a father. He is breathing identity. He is breathing love. He is breathing approval, affection and approval. And this is what we need to understand even in the life of the church. This is how we bring people through in the life of the church. This is how we disciple people into the kingdom. They need to understand these things about themselves. But before we can get them to understand, friends, we have to understand. You mothers and fathers that Vanessa was encouraging, you have to understand this because you need to breathe this over the spiritual kids that God is going to send to this household. You have to understand that. We breathe identity. We breathe affection. We breathe approval over all of God's kids. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what, what areas they came from. It doesn't, anyone who walks through those doors are going to get these three things from the life of this church because they come from the Father. We disciple, we encourage, and we even correct through these lenses. These are the weapons of our warfare and contending against an orphan spirit. And when I'm speaking about the orphan spirit, you have to know we're not contending against the orphan. We're not contending against the orphan. We're not, we're not looking at these broken people and contending against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 tells us it's against the principalities and the rulers of dark forces that are in the heavenlies that we can't see. We're, we're contending against the spirit behind these orphans who have been abandoned, left without identity, feeling like they're unloved, feeling like they're unapproved. When you know that you're a son and daughter of God, that's when you begin to start acting like a son and daughter of God. And I think we see far too many children of God in the life of the church not acting like God's kids. And I think we attack the behavior. But there's so much more than the behavior. There's the spirit behind the behavior that we need to contend against. But I'm telling you, we need to also model it. If we, we want to bring people through, they need to also see some role models. They need to see some big brothers and sisters walking like they're children of God. They need to see some mothers and fathers in the house walking like they're children of God because then they can begin to fall in line and begin to hold on and to hitch their, their wagon to the, to the train and begin to you know, follow suit because honestly, when we see this, this is what discipleship looks like. The Apostle Paul was able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. A stronger word, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Jesus was the prototype of son, God's only son, the, the first. And so we, as we try to endeavor to be like Christ, we in the same manner look to those who are following behind us and say, follow me, imitate me. We see uh, um, brothers and sisters do this all the time. I mean, we have kids at every stage of life from 24 to 2. You see Ray Ray careful she's a biter um but so there's 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 tons of teachers in our house you know we got the parents who are teaching and jordan who's taught chloe and chloe who taught zeke and and zeke's taught judah and judah's taught mackenzie mackenzie who's teaching ray ray and, and ray ray tries to teach all the pets she finds so she she, she was trying to own stella she if you've never met stella at mark's house uh, and she walks into the house and she falls in love with this dog so then like by Yesterday, she walks up to Kara and she says, this is my dog, Stella. Like, like telling Kara, that's her dog now. Like, it's not long, no longer yours. She's just looking for someone to boss around. 
But if we're, we're going to model this, we need to start acting like Jesus. We need to start acting like Jesus. And this is what I love what Jesus said about his sonship. He says, dear friends, we are already God's children. 1 John 3, 2. We are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like. This is Apostle John speaking about Christ, sorry. Um, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. We'll be like who? Like Jesus. We do know that we will be like Jesus, for we will see him as he really is. This is the goal for the sons and daughters of God, that we will be like Jesus. When we call ourselves Christians, we're calling ourselves Christ-like. That's what that word Christian means. And I know some people have fallen into a culture like, I don't know if I want to call myself Christian because I don't know how Christ-like I am. We better prophetically be calling ourselves Christian. And prophetically, we better be telling ourselves that we are Christ-like because of what Jesus did on the cross, because being sanctified by his blood and filled with the Spirit, we are empowered to be like Christ. And if we are to be like Christ, then maybe we should in faith start acting like Christ because this is what God's kids do. And then God doesn't have to go around and start saying, stop, or not that he's ever said it, but if he would, Act like you belong to somebody. Because we do. We do belong to somebody. We do belong to somebody. And our Father's name is Yahweh. And He is holy. And He is mighty. And powerful. And loving. And has chosen to reveal Himself to us as Father. How good is that? We get to act like Jesus. We get to act like Jesus. And I know there's a whole thing out there. You fake it until you make it. And, and I'm, I don't believe in faking and I don't believe in pretending. If you've been around Vanessa and I long enough, you'll know that it gets real, real quick. But you can faith it until you make it. You can faith it until you make it. You can step out in faith. You, you, can, you can begin to imitate Christ like if you know what you're doing in faith. Man, I find myself in arenas that I don't belong in often. It's kind of like Mark breaking into like, you know, all these, you know, backdoor access stadium places. He's, this, this guy's got more faith than I know. Mark once told me, you could get into anywhere wearing khakis and having a clipboard in your hand. I was like, yeah, maybe for you, bro. I'm a brown man who lives in L.A., dude. You try to get around back access stuff, you're getting arrested real quick. No. But we faith, Mark has tons of faith. You, you faith it until you make it. Can we do that? Can we do that? So we act like Jesus. Second is you do your father's work. I mean, most kids grew up now not wanting to do anything their father did. I mean, I, when I was growing up, my father, it, it was a landscaper and, and, and a pastor, and I promised I would never be either. Um, <laughs> and so... Now I got a guy named Jose who does my yard because I won't do it. But I am a pastor. Promised I never would be. I ran from that call for so long. We run from what we think our natural father was. I'll never be that. When it comes to our heavenly father, it's the privilege of our life to do our father's work. It's the privilege of our life to be included in our father's family business. And the church ain't a business. You know that. But I hope you hear my heart. It's the business of doing what God 
came to do. It's the business of finishing the work that Jesus came to accomplish. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he gave us a couple rules to follow. Love your God with everything that you have, and guess what? Love your neighbor in the same way. And then he gave us this great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. This is how we do the work of our Father, because this is what the work of the Son did, was. This is what Jesus said, John 4, 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment, what feeds me, what keeps me going, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. This is what drove Jesus when he was on this earth, to finish the work of the Father. Is this what drives you? Or do you shy away from the Father's work? Do you, do you shy away from the family business? Do you look at the family business and be like, I don't know about all that. I'm not into all that. I mean, I just want to be, I just, I just want to, I'm talking spiritual now. I mean, I just want to, I just, I, can I just be loved by as a son? You are loved by as a son. You are loved as a son. There's nothing you have to do to gain the affection of God. He's not including you into the family business because he wants to put you to work. He puts you in the family business because there's more sons and daughters, some more brothers and sisters who haven't found their way to their daddy. This, this is the work that we're about. John 5.19, Jesus says, So Jesus explained, explain, I tell you the truth, so the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. I mean, friends, this is... This is this is the work that we, as children of God, this is the work we have to adopt. What I see my father doing, that's what I want to be doing. What I've seen God say is the work of every Christian here on the planet, that's what I want to do. What he is saying in his word and what the Holy Spirit is prompting as I'm about doing life, that's the work that I want to be doing. But how often do we shun that work? How often do we shun the work of the service, of, service in the life of the church? There's only one thing that Jesus is building on this planet, and it's his church. And how often do the sons and daughters of God shun that work? It's astounding. I, I, I tell my kids all the time, like, listen, like, we're all family, so we all need to do work. There's responsibility in this household. Right? I'm, not, I'm not asking you to pay for everything. That's my job. And I'm not asking you to, 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 to play my role and do all. I'm asking you to do your role as a son, as a daughter, in the life of this house. And listen, God's not asking you to do anything other than your role. But you need to figure that out. That encouragement from Vanessa was, was man, tuck underneath your leadership. Begin to listen to the heartbeat, the vision that God has given for the life of this church so that you can, you can hear what God is calling you to do in the service of this local church. I once heard someone say that the, the, the most exciting thing happening on the planet should be happening in your local church. Think about that. If God ordains the times and the places for men to dwell, and you have been ordained to be here for this time, in this place, man, we should make the most of it. It should be the most exciting thing that we should be doing. If Jesus is building his church, and I believe here at Impact Rock he is, we should be so excited about what God is doing. I mean, we should wake up on Sunday mornings ready to celebrate with our brothers and sisters, but not just on Sunday. Because we are the church every day of the week, 
I love hearing people say that all the time. Well, well, you know, the church isn't a building. Of course it's not. But they say it in a way that kind of gives them permission to not participate in the activities that happen when we gather together in a building. You get what I'm saying? But if, 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 you're, if, if, if your stance is with churches in a building and we are the church, then I would love to hear what you're doing the rest of the week. Because Acts 2.42 says the church met together daily. Daily. I mean, some cult stuff going on. Not really, but that's how we would see it. They're meeting together daily. They're selling all their possessions and, and giving it away. They're, I mean, they're eating meals and then they're praying together every day. They're, they're, I, mean, I mean, if you look at Acts 2 and see what the church was burned, birthed into, we would run in our culture today. The American 2020 church, we would run. Like, no way. I got, you know, hour and a half if, if Mark doesn't preach too long on a Sunday. Maybe a midweek thing. Maybe a meeting. I mean, just calculate all that. Man, we need to be about our Father's work. And Jesus, his son, is building the church. Why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. I want to do my father's work. I want to be part of the family business. I'm already walking in the inheritance of it. Can you imagine? We're already walking in the inheritance. Jesus, his son, has made us co-heirs with Christ. We inherit what he inherits. That blows my mind. That I get access to what Jesus get access to, what Jesus get, gets access to from the Father. Does, does, that, does that not blow your mind? And I'm like just thinking that we're going to rule and reign in heavenly places with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who sacrificed his life on a cross on our behalf and we get all the benefits of it. Man, we get to be Sons and daughters. Not just act like them. Be sons and daughters. That's my prayer for God's kids. That's my prayer for you, Impact Rock. That's my prayer for anyone in this place this morning who has been carrying an orphan spirit. Whether whether you recognize it or not, I I would love for you to just take a, a quick calculation in the spirit this morning. Have you carried that? Have you been feeling unloved and unclaimed? unprotected, unvalued, insecure, not knowing who you are, letting, letting guilt and shame, letting the past, whatever it is, letting the hurt of man and, and maybe unfortunately even the church rest on you and completely dismissed what your father says about you, completely dismissed who your father says you are. You are your father's son. You are your father's daughter. And there's no one who can change that. And I'm not talking about earthly. I'm talking about spiritually. Earthly, I used to be like, oh, I don't want to be like my dad. Everything about us as Christians should want to be who our father is. Everything about us. If you're wrestling with anything, any of that this morning, I believe God wants to do 
a work. And so here, let's, if you guys wouldn't mind closing your eyes this morning. Jesus says you are, I'm sorry, the Father says you are my son, you are my daughter. If you wrestled with that statement, or if you've wrestled with that identity of knowing that you carry your Heavenly Father's DNA, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm not going to make you do anything weird just wrestling with understanding who you are in God. You are a child of God. You are His and He is yours. It's a relationship between you and the Father. And if you have wrestled with that and would like to not wrestle with that, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do a work with you. And just, I would just ask you to stand this morning. For others, maybe you haven't been wrestling with your identity. Maybe you know that you're a child of God. Maybe you do have, but it was just this affection part. You just, you can't grasp. You just don't feel like God can love you. You feel like you're the bad kid. You feel like the things that you have carried, I mean, there's just too much for, for a loving God and a, and a God of justice to forgive never really hear the Heavenly Father whisper in your ear, I love you. Just for who you are. Just for who you are. If you're wrestling with that love, that love that only a father can give, I would ask you to also stand this morning. And lastly, approval. don't see how God is proud of you. You don't see it. I mean, just man, you just have this idea about yourself. You're a mess up. There's nothing there's nothing good about what you do. I mean, to hear that I'm proud of you is so rare in your world and you can never connect that to your Heavenly Father. Just looking down at you for no reason saying, man, I'm so proud of this boy of mine. I'm so proud of this girl of mine. So if that's you also, I would ask you to stand. And if you would stand this morning, I would love to pray for you. Thank you. I see you, brother. Is there anyone else like that here this morning? I really believe God wants to break some of these things off of us so that we can walk in the fullness of who we are in God sons and daughters without question not carrying around insecurities not carrying around these thoughts of of being unclaimed and unloved and uh, unrecognized God just wants to break those things off this morning so you're mine no one can snatch you from my grip no one you carry my spiritual DNA you don't no longer have to question who you belong to you no longer have to question whose whose blood runs through your veins it's mine says the Father. So those of you who are willing to stand, I just want to pray over you. Thank you, God.
Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love for each son and daughter in this house. Lord, thank you that they carry your identity. They carry who you are. They look like their father because you've created them. And I thank you for your love for them. That undeniable love, that unfailing love, that love that we sang about as we worshiped you this morning, that, that love is relentless, that, 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 that love that, that'll, that'll leave the 99 just to chase us. Thank you, God, for that love. May it be undeniable. May it be a revelation that we never question, never question, am I loved by God? It is a revelation. I know that I am loved by God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And for some of you this morning, I just really believe that God wants to just tell you, I am pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about how many times you read the Bible. It's not about how many times you prayed this week. It's not about how many memory verses you had. God is, is pleased with you because you're his son. Because you're his daughter. He's pleased with you. Can you just receive that? I'm going to ask each of you to receive that. Pleased with you. Smiths, I know, I know your ministry because you're good shepherds, but if you can hear this while you're praying, I just I just feel the pleasure of God over both of you. I just feel his pleasure. He is so proud of you guys. He is so proud of you guys. That's like a it's like a dad watching his kid on a soccer field for the first time. Not because of your skills. It's not because you scored. You might be running in the wrong direction sometimes. He's just pleased because you're on the field and you're his. He's just pleased with you. That's how much he loves you. He is so pleased with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lastly, this morning, I would not like to leave here without every person in this room knowing, knowing that they are a child of God. And the Bible is very clear about what this consists of. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible also tells us that the Lord saves those who cry out to him. Salvation comes to those who cry out. And what that means, friends, is we, we have to turn away from our sinful life. We have to, it's the, the, the fancy word is repent. As we turn from that life and we turn towards our Father. And we choose right relationship with God. And we can only have this. We can only become right because of the blood of Jesus that was spilt for us. And if you have never accepted Christ as Savior in your life, if you have never said, yes, Jesus, I want to start this relationship with you. 
maybe in this room, maybe you've even done it in the past, but today, you're not walking with the Lord. Maybe today you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. But either way, I want you to know when you leave this place that you are in a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. And I believe this takes a step of faith. And so if that's you this morning, if I can have everyone's eyes closed, it's between you and Jesus right now. That's you this morning. You know that you need Jesus in your life. And you know that you need to surrender your life to him. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. And I'm going to ask you to stand up today. And I want to lead you through a prayer. It's not about shaming you. This is about identifying that God wants to do a good work in you. Almost everyone in this building has done this. So if you're feeling like you need to do it, there's no shame in this. I've done this. So if that's you, just stand. I want to pray with you right where you're at. Is there anyone here today? Say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior, and I want to leave this place in a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Is there anyone like that? I'll even take a hand raise. Anyone willing to do that this morning? want you to know that that invitation isn't a one-time deal. <laughs> that invitation is open to you always. I'll even be standing down here after service. And if you feel like God was calling you to make that decision, come and talk with me after. I would love to pray with you. Lord, thank you. Can you guys all stand with me this morning? Lord, thank you for this house. Thank you for what you're doing here in Erie, Colorado with this beautiful local church called Impact Rock. Lord, thank you for the leadership that you have ordained to, to love and shepherd and to lead in this place. Lord, thank you for, for the servant-hearted leaders who come alongside and give their time, energy, and are obedient with their resources, God, to see your kingdom advanced. Lord, thank you for the vision that is being cast by this leadership and, and Lord, the ministries that, that, that go beyond these walls. Lord, this, this preschool, God, that you, that you have dreamt up, God, and put on the heart of this leadership, this preschool, that this entire... Um, church will take ownership over this entire church will say this is what we are doing this is this, this that this um, nursery God preschool that will reach families people who are just looking for better education for their kids and find Jesus Lord we see it happening Lord we pray for addition and multiplication I pray for leaders to be released I pray for leaders to rise up and say yes to the call I pray for sons and daughters to act like their sons and daughters. I pray for sons and daughters to be privileged to be a part of their daddy's business. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.